It's the Anfield Index, Canadian edition. So welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm your host, Steve Gennaro. Today on the show, we talk about our experiences here in Canada as Liverpool Football Club supporters. And then we build on to talk about the transfer market, who's come in and who's on their way out. Lambert. Chan, Lalana, but also what about Origi, Markovic, Sanchez, what about Suarez, staying or going, Agar, Suso, Enrique, Barini, so much more on the show. Enjoy. We have a roundtable assembled here of uh, Joey, uh, Matt, and Colin. Each are going to take a few moments to introduce themselves to you, the listeners, and tell you their story about how they came to be uh, followers uh, and supporters of the Liverpool Football Club and uh, some of their uh, experiences along the way. Uh, Let's start maybe with uh, you, Matt. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became a a supporter for, uh, for Liverpool Football Club? Well, I come from a family where ice hockey and baseball were the two main sports that I followed and played as a kid, so I don't really have the same LFC lineage that a lot of the other participants on these international podcasts have had. Um, So earlier in my life, I would say I was mainly concerned with international soccer because that's what was mainly more accessible, I would say, um, to me anyways. And I always supported England because I'm half English. My mom's actually from Sheffield. Um, But as I got older, I went to university. I met a lot more international students there. And along with that came a lot more soccer fans. So I started to get into it a little bit. This was around in 2004, actually. Um, And I happened to meet a girl at university in my first year. And uh, I really liked her. And we started making friendly bets on the Champions League that year. Um, she is half Italian, so how it usually went was she was betting on the Italian teams and I was betting on the English teams. And it just so happened that year that um, it was Chelsea and Liverpool who went quite deep into the Champions League. And for, for on the Italian side of things, it was AC Milan and obviously Juventus, who was knocked out by Liverpool that year. So that was a good bet we had. And it happened to come down to the final, as we all know the fateful final and it was Liverpool who brought home the big prize for me. So that was really what kickstarted me into Liverpool. So as you can tell, I'm probably, I would say a newer liver, hardcore Liverpool fan than many people who have been here. So um, that's pretty good. And as a side note to that little anecdote, that girl is now my wife. So um, there you go. That's how it really started for me. And ever since then, I've become more involved, more passionate about it and to the point now where I don't miss a game. Actually, the only game I missed this past season was the Hull City loss. And uh, I'm actually kind of happy that I didn't see that one because apparently it was terrible. So uh, that was it for me. All right, Matt. Sounds good. It sounds like you were victorious on all fronts that year with the Champions League campaign and, <laughs> uh, and, and finding your wife. Well done. Uh, well, uh, Colin, you have a little more experience uh, as, as a Liverpool supporter. I want you to uh, introduce yourself to the listeners of the Canadian Anfield Index and tell them uh, your story. Yeah, I think that's Steve's way of saying I'm the old fella on the uh, on the on the pod. <laughs> um, 1978, uh, 77. Kenny Dalglish joined Liverpool. Uh, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm actually from France. And, um, you know, I'm a massive, <laughs> massive uh, supporter of, uh, of Liverpool. But I should actually be supporting West Bromwich Albion because I'm from the Midlands. And uh, West Brom um, was about two miles away from where I grew up in Tipton. But uh, 1978, uh, I applied for Liverpool Football Club membership on the back of a comic. And uh, I received my membership with a picture of Kenny 
Uh, and that was basically it. You know, you've got to remember uh, Liverpool in the 70s and 80s were, you know, the so-called Man Uniteds uh, of the 90s. Um, and so it was a team to support. Uh, but I stayed loyal, but uh, not terribly focused uh, because we were always winning everything. Um, and it just turns out one of my uh, school friends uh, or, a, or a gentleman that was a year older than, than me, Dave Burroughs, he went from our school and joined Liverpool. Uh, he was actually playing a few weeks ago um, at Liverpool when they had all the old fellas come back and play. But uh, yeah, been following him ever since. My son is now 14. Um, he is a massive, massive Liverpool football uh, club fan as well. And um, I've been trying to uh, get things going up here in the Toronto area when, when the boys come over and do some of the, uh, the coaching, the senior players. Um, and I actually got an email today from Cara's um, um, uh, uh, organization, uh, 23 Foundation, his, 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 his soccer, um, um, what's, the, what's the correct word for it? But he's got, a, uh, a, he's got a, an academy. And so they're looking at uh, bringing that to, uh, to Toronto uh, and possibly uh, taking it to India. And they want to know if I can help out. So all of those things keep me very much a part of Liverpool um, all the ups and downs, and uh, I'd like to say right off the bat, it's all about the club, not about the players. All right. You know, one of the nice things I think about these uh, international supporter podcasts, get a whole range of views and experiences, and the Canadian one's no different. We span multiple generations, uh, not, just, <laughs> not, not just Matt and Colin and myself, who are all from different, uh, uh, you know, in different decades of our lives, but also uh, the, the newest addition to our, to our podcast group, and that's uh, uh, Joey Johnson. So, Joey, why don't you introduce, introduce yourself uh, to, to the listeners and uh, tell them your story about how you became a supporter of Liverpool Football Club. Hello there. Uh, well, I'm only uh, 19 last time I checked, so I guess that makes me the young one, if we have uh, the old one and the two in the middle. And uh, I guess my story draws a lot of parallels to Matt's. Um, I was raised in a hockey household, and uh, baseball in the summer, that, that's all it was. I mean, uh, soccer's almost seen in some parts of Canada as a girls' sport, unfortunately. And... Um, I don't know. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, summer of 2005, unfortunately after Istanbul, um, my father being a pilot was uh, drawn out to the Middle East, the Kingdom of Bahrain to be precise, to fly for Gulf Air. And uh, I was 10 years old at the time and hockey was just on too late. It was Games were on at 3 a.m. and uh, you know, there's like 80 games a year. I, I just couldn't keep up. And uh, my friends at my new school, uh, which was British system, new to me, Happened to be uh, Scousers, and it was just a good time to join. We were on the up. Uh, FA Cup Final 2006, I remember that. One of the first games uh, committed to memory, the Gerrard Final. Champions League run in 2007, obviously unsuccessful. But, um, I mean, I eventually fell in love with the club. Uh, my family has since moved from uh, Bahrain to Dubai. My dad now flies for uh, Emirates Airlines, uh, unfortunately. Arsenal sponsors, but um, yeah, I've managed to reap uh, the flight benefits of having a pilot, uh, a father that's a pilot, and I've uh, managed to get myself to Anfield a few times, and I haven't looked back. I mean, for a long time, hockey was my primary love and uh, sport, but um, after seeing, you know, singing and Never Walk Alone and seeing the boys live, I just never looked back. It's a completely different experience. So, uh, really neat stories, actually, guys. It's nice to hear them and to hear the, the the different experiences you all have. Because unless you're born into a Liverpool family, like you know, what what brings you to a club that has such deep roots? And and for me, um, you know, it, it was a, a series of strange experiences. 
I grew up here in, in Toronto. This is uh, I'm born and raised in Toronto, and uh, soccer on on the television uh, when I when I was a kid in the late '70s and early '80s uh, was not very much. Actually, there was one show, and it ran basically once a week. And uh, what they played was the games from the week before. And, uh, so talk about tape delay. That was like real tape delay, right? As a kid, to wait seven days, and uh, and and so uh, often you'd see you know, you'd see Liverpool. Those would be the games that you would see uh, because they were winning a lot at that time, and those were the, those were the games that we watched. But I was never really a, a very big uh, Liverpool fan, um, other than I got to see them a lot. I, I really didn't become a, a big fan of the club until, um, you know, just really within the last decade. And what it was, was um, I found there being a gap actually in, in my work uh, between the, the students that I teach and myself. And uh, it's a really diverse uh, population here in, in the GTA in Toronto where, where, where I live. And, and my students became more and more diverse as well. All types of international students from all over the world. And the one thing that they all had was all of these soccer jerseys. Every time I look around the classroom, it was always you know, all these young people in their soccer jerseys. So I began to ask questions about you know who followed this sport or who followed that sport or what types of things were they interested in. And it was always universal. It was football. That's all my students ever wanted to talk about. So I realized that if I was going to connect with my students, I had to get more in touch with football. Now, I played, I played my whole life. I played at a very competitive level. And I still play you know, th- you know three, four times a week. I coach three or four different teams. I ref one night a week. So I've always been very involved in the game. But I hadn't really had a club. Uh, you know, like I said, I remembered Liverpool. My brother's an enormous Chelsea fan. I have an uncle who's also uh, an enormous Manchester United fan. So I knew that I, I knew that I couldn't pick either one of those clubs. It was that that, that much was obvious. And uh, we were at a wedding um, where uh, a close friend of ours, her family's from Liverpool, and their whole family had come over for the wedding. And basically, in the middle of the father's speech to his daughter, who was the bride. All, the whole family from Liverpool stood up and started singing "You'll Never Walk Alone," and, I, and, <laughs> and now the father was filled with great pride, of course, and he was talking about you know uh, how you know next to basically Liverpool Football Club, his daughter was the, the one thing he loved most in the world. <laughs> And I turned to my wife and I said, "I think we found our club," you know. And uh, you know, I was I was certainly moved by that. And and I, I said to myself, you know, like if, if there's a if there's a passion uh, that that exists out there with with you know um, a community in their club, then that's something I want to be a part of. Now. You know, we, we're kind of lucky in, in Canada, after you listen to some of the other podcasts, like the Malaysian podcast or the Australian podcast, you know, you realize that some of the other international supporters are up at like 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the matches before they go to work and spend the whole day at work. Uh, but, you know, we still, we still have some early mornings to watch and support our, our club here in, uh, in Canada. So why don't we go around the circle again? We'll start with Matt, then to Colin, and then to Joey, and tell, maybe say a few words about what it's like to be a supporter of the club all the way across the pond here in Canada. Matt? Well, I'm sure as we're all uh, about to tell you, it's an early morning activity for us. So um, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, it's up at 745 usually, whether they Liverpool are playing in the early game or not. For me, I'm usually up 730, checking the lineups, seeing what the Twitter feeds are buzzing about for the morning. Uh, see who the surprise starters are, and then my wife crawls out of bed slightly after me, just in time for kickoff, and it's kind of become a little bit of a routine, or even might even call it a ritual. Um, so that's really it for me. Just the early mornings, I'm looking forward to some midweek, late afternoon games when I can either be working from home and catching the game, or leaving work early and having something really to look forward to in those in those midweek games this this coming season. Yeah, all right, Colin? Yeah, I think one of my biggest challenges is um, 
uh, both the kids are in, in, in some kind of sports, whether it's soccer or taekwondo. And um, it's my duty to make sure they get there and come back. So I'm one of those that goes to, goes, goes out of the house uh, and make sure he doesn't answer his phone or check his phone <laughs> when he beeps, uh, gets to the gym, lets the kid do their activities, and then jump back in the bloody car and then get back home and pretend as if it was like 7.30 in the morning. So that happens a lot, especially on a Saturday for me. And I've got a friend, he's a good friend, he's, uh, he's from back home and he's a, he's a dirty mank. And he, he just doesn't get it, obviously. And he loves to, you know, drop me. And because then if I, if, I, if I have a certain uh, beep go off, which is, um, uh, let's say it's my text message, I normally know it's not a good thing. I normally know someone's probably scored on us because, <laughs> because that so-and-so has decided to, uh, you know, send me a message. But that's what normally happens other than what Matt said. Yeah, you know, it's, it's become a ritual. I think we are very lucky, like you said, Steve, the fact that we've, uh, you know, they're on around 7.30, you know, um, the latest ones, are, you know, 10 or so. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a ritual for my son and, and myself to take over the family room and, uh, uh, yeah, love it. All right. What about you, Joey? How, how how are your early mornings? Uh, being that you know you're not you're 19, so early morning, early weekend mornings may not go so well for you. <laughs> it's more uh, a continuation of the last night. Uh, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. A lot of times I've been going to bed uh, after the games rather than before. But uh, <laughs> not to harp on on uh, Dubai and the Middle East uh, too much, being the Canadian uh, Anfield Index podcast. But because you know I, that's where I supported Liverpool along with. Uh, Canada. I, I prefer the morning games compared to late night. You know, especially Champions League on a on a school night in uh, Dubai is just is tough to to balance it all. But um, I don't mind it here. Uh, I do mind the North American punditry and adverts a little bit. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, Sky Sports. I think BT Sports done a great job this year coming in uh, as the the new guys. But uh, man, I, I'm I'm so tired of Fox Sports. That's the only downfall to. Uh, following Liverpool and Canada for me. But uh, no, it, it's great for me in the mornings because uh, being at school, I'm not a morning class guy at all. I keep most of my classes in the, around the afternoon area. So my mornings are wide open. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's great to start out the day, especially last season, how well we did with a win. You know, you just feel good all day. You just, uh, you're thinking about the next game. That's what I found this year. I was just uh, living my life game to game every week, waiting for the next one. Yeah, and good news for supporters in in North America and Canada is that uh, not only has Sportsnet, which is the main main uh, you know sports cable provider here, uh, has picked up almost all the Premier League games there for next season. Uh, it, uh, TSN is another major provider, both national providers, uh, is also bought into it. And of course, uh, there's a larger American deal with uh, NBC Sports. So uh, we're going to start to see even more games available each and every single Saturday and Sunday. If in, in each of those stations carrying two games uh, on both days, so as really good news as the game becomes more and more global and more and more popular in North America. It continues to draw enormous ratings. World Cup ratings are through the roof, actually, in the United States, and that can only mean uh, good things for Canadian television. Uh, for me, same thing. Saturday, Sunday mornings, you know, it's, uh, I have four small kids, uh, so uh, as a father of four young kids, I'm up really early anyways, and uh, so it's, it, it's, a, it's a family activity. You know, we get the, we, we're doing pancakes, bacon, eggs, uh, you know, and, uh, and then once the game starts, it's time to sit down. Uh, I'm, I'm not a 
uh, ashamed to admit that I'm quite open to uh, cracking a, a nice uh, a daddy beverage at uh, 7.45 in the morning while I watch my favorite team play. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it's a great sort of start. Uh, also, like Colin, though, I have the issue where some of my older kids uh, play uh, play sports as well. And so if it's one of the, if it's the later game that Liverpool is playing, which, you know, is usually around 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm, I'm usually at the field, you know, the, the indoor soccer field or at the arena or wherever it is. And so uh, trying to watch on my phone, uh, streaming the game on my phone. Uh, it's, it's a little bit challenging watching both my, my little guy or my daughter play at the same time as I'm trying to watch my phone, but uh, that's just part of it. For me, the biggest issue is Bank Monday uh, games uh, on, on the holiday Monday in, in England when they have the, the, the Bank Monday games that start about 4 o'clock our time or when like you know Champions League comes out because you know I, I usually teach uh, at the university during those times, and so what I've gotten in the habit of doing now is streaming the game and putting it up on the large screen while I lecture. Um, some of the students are pretty open to this, so that's, that's, it's positive, but uh, it, is, it is a bit challenging to try and both uh, you know, lecture at the university to my students and <laughs> watch the game at the same time. So, uh, uh, But no, it's, it's great. Seven, 7 o'clock in the morning games or 7.45, it's, a great, uh, it's actually a really, a really fun time to kick off if you're going to sit down and watch the game because, uh, you know, it, 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 like uh, I think Joey mentioned, it, it, it makes the whole day good. You know, it feels real good uh, for the rest of the day when they win. Uh, and it's been a good season for that. Maybe once more around the circle, guys, uh, you can throw out anything else you want to say just to share uh, any other insights you want to tell the listeners around the world about being a Liverpool supporter in Canada or anything that one of us didn't cover that you think is important that they should hear about. Uh, Matt, to you. Jeez. Um, no, if you're good, you can, you can let it be there. I just, yeah. want to just give you a chance to say anything else that, 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 that maybe didn't get covered that you may, may have thought of wanted to throw in there. I I just one thing I guess I would throw in you mentioned there the good feeling you have for that whole day I just like to uh, just elaborate on the the opposite side of that coin where you know you get that loss to Hull City like I mentioned earlier and your day is ruined so <laughs> I mean it's a it's a weekend ruin or actually a loss like that so and for me like on a Saturday for instance we get that Saturday morning game if that's a loss I'm stewing on that all night and I'm happen to also be a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan and there's a, a lot of losses coming on that front too so <laughs> it's yeah so I I need I really need Liverpool to balance me out and keep everything happy and for the listeners who don't know the Toronto Maple Leafs as uh, the hometown sort of hockey club uh, in, in the city of Toronto, they play just about every Saturday night. Uh, hockey night in Canada is a sort of Saturday night tradition. So uh, if, if you get a Saturday morning loss with Liverpool and a Saturday night loss with the Toronto Maple Leafs, that could be a tough weekend. Yeah, yeah my, my wife knows how to act when that happens. <laughs> no talking. <laughs> Colin, anything else you want to throw in there? I think just one little thing about the fact that um, – I think the the, the, the generation uh, at the moment, you know, they know the Man United's and they know the Chelsea's and they're beginning to know the cities and they, they know of Liverpool. Um, but I think um, it's what is amazing is the younger ones that do seem to kind of, you know, uh, go towards Liverpool and, and become supporters. I don't know if I'm being, you know, biased, but there's something about Liverpool fans, uh, which, you know, we, we all take the piss out of. Chelsea and them being plastic and there is some truth to that but I and I think there is that uh, potential now for Liverpool especially the way they played last season because I've heard some of my uh, my son's friends and uh, you know this is kind of you know sacrilegious back home in England to have two uh, English Premier League football teams as your favorite teams <laughs> so I, I drive these kids to uh, to soccer 
And I, and I say, well, what, who's your favourite team? And he's like, Chelsea, but I really like Arsenal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> or it's uh, Liverpool, and I really like Man United. And I, and I try and explain to him how you can't do that. You, it's, that's like crusades from the, like, the 14th century. I'm like, you can't be doing that. You, you, can't, you cannot do that. But, so I think the potential now for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the years to come for Liverpool to, to you know, re-stamp themselves uh, as the greats, and we are the European greats of uh, the English Premier League. Uh, you know that's really exciting, and I'm looking forward to that. All right, great, um, Joey. Final final thoughts or words on on supporting from Canada? Yeah, I just want to continue on that point a bit. Um, I agree. Uh, being at school, you know, there's obviously a lot of people, uh, peers my age, uh, you know, to see who they support. And uh, I, I must say, they're all glory hunters, man. They they all know very. They all love Chelsea or United. And they can only name one or two players like Rooney, Van Persie. It's like, come on, come on. Like, I, I know hockey is, is definitely the main sport in Canada's passion. But I, I must say that when you come across Liverpool supporters, I have to agree, they're not plastic or, or whatever you want to call them. Most of the time, you know, it's not because we haven't won much lately, but um, they know their stuff. You know, they can't they can name more than just uh, Suarez and Gerrard. And they usually don't bring up uh, Suarez's biting habits, which is all anybody can talk about here. And whenever you mention Suarez, oh, he's that guy that bit someone, right? Yeah, yeah, he is, but you uh, you got that one right. It's the biggest news in the World Cup. Don't know how you could have missed that, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad Canadians are making an effort, to be honest. There's definitely a market for it here. The U.S. has definitely uh, paid, a, uh, paid attention after the run that they had. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's growing here, and uh, I hope it just continues to grow. Yeah, we have a we have a mad soccer market here, which people may may not know. Uh, the Canadian soccer market is 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 quite large, as it is in North America in general. But you know, Toronto, uh, Montreal, and Vancouver all have franchises in Major League Soccer, and they're they're very solid, strong fan bases, very dedicated. Toronto, for example, uh, the Toronto FC, we've endured horrible losses, just a miserable team on the field for several years. There's no relegation, but if there was, we would have been basically relegated down from Major League Soccer to my son's uh, division. That's how poor the, the it's been on the pitch and yet we continue to be uh, sold out uh, the fans continue to support so there's a lot of really good supporters here and if you look at the MLS some of the MLS cities in the states whether it be Kansas City or Houston Portland or Seattle um, you know there's a lot of really good soccer fans who support just you know grass level uh, local soccer and professional soccer all the way up to the national teams as you're starting to see with teams like United States making a big run in the World Cup Let's talk LFC, though. Let's talk Liverpool. You know, it's been a, a little bit of a busy summer and a quiet summer at the same time as far as transfers are concerned. We have three players confirmed in as we record this. Lambert, uh, Sean, Emre Sean, I'm going to say. I don't know. There's some mixed pronunciations there going around the, the web. And, of course, uh, Lalana. And then there's a, there's a few more that may or may not have gone through by the time this podcast gets released. But let's start there. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the transfers that have come in. And then we can build out on the ones maybe still to come and the players on their way out and how, how the summer may or may not unfold for Liverpool. Uh, I, I like this rotation. So let's start with Matt, then go to Colin, then go to Joey, if that's okay with you guys, and we'll do it again. Let's start with who's on their way in. Lambert, uh, Sean, and Lalana. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Sure. Well, starting with Lambert, I, I don't know how any Liverpool fan cannot just have a smile on their face watching those interviews of him. If you saw the interview before it had been officially announced where I, I don't remember what the, who the reporter was, but they caught him at the train station, probably on his way to Liverpool, re- getting ready to do his medical and sign his deal. You could just tell he was elated and he could not wait to get there and join the club. So, 
anyone that has a passion for the club like that, I'm happy to have. You know he's going to give his all and work his ass off for the club. Besides that, he's, I think he scored 13 goals in the Premier League last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he, and I'm just re- I'm really happy to have him at the club. Lalana, um, for me, great player, technically skilled, two-footed, uh, can play in the middle as well as out wide. I think he prefers to play in the middle. Um, he seems like he'll fit right into the way Brendan Rodgers wants to have this club playing. Um, tactically sound. I'm excited to see what he can do and how, how Brendan Rodgers plans on using him. Um, whether he's going to slot into the middle of the midfield and kind of uh, line up alongside Henderson and Gerrard, or if he's going to push forward a little more. You compete with Sterling and Coutinho for the attacking midfield role. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do at the club. Um, and Emery Sean or Emery Chan, I Chan is what I've been hearing most most recently. So do I'm we, gonna go. I'm gonna go with Chan. Well, let's let, let, let's come with like a unanimous. Do we we want to go? We want to go with Chan just across the board, so we're all saying it the same way. For the purpose of the podcast, I'm fine with Chan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back, back, to, back, back to you, Matt. On, All right. On, tell us more about Chan. <laughs> yeah, Emre Chan, defensive midfielder. To be honest, I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen him play. Um, so I can't really give you a, an assessment on him other than, other than the standard YouTube clip compilations. But it seems like he's a young, powerful defensive midfielder. Um, that's, a, that's a position that we... I think we could really use some help in, so I'm excited about that. I think Lucas Leva has his best days behind him at the club, unfortunately. Um, pains me to say that because he's been a real soldier for LFC, but um, sounding like he might be on his way out this summer. So um, if he can find some kind of rotation with Gerard back there, um, holding holding the defensive side of the midfield. Apparently he has the versatility also that Brendan Rodgers likes, able to play fullback as well, which could be of great use to us since our ever everlasting search for fullback seems to be continuing at the moment with the Moreno talks seem to have fallen off. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And, um, I think these types of signings are, are really good. They're the same type of signings that I would put alongside with Coutinho and Sturridge that not really players, top world-class players yet, but they're on their way up. They have decent prices, maybe with the exception of Lalana, um, That can be debated. But um, these types of players, I'm excited to see what they can do, and I have all the faith in the world in what Brendan Rodgers is doing right now. Uh, you, you, you're correct. Uh, Lambert did score 13 uh, goals last season, and the year before he scored 15. Uh, so, oh. to, so back back to back, you know, positive goal scoring seasons for yeah, Lambert. Yeah, exactly. I think I don't. I can't see him really being a starter on a regular basis. Maybe League Cup he can start. Um, he's going to be an option off the bench, I think. And with Suarez going out the door, it's looking like right now our striking options are Sturridge, Barini, and Lambert. Um, so. I'm expecting something else to come come in the door, someone who can play through the middle and lead the attack. So, keeping an eye out for that. I haven't really seen any solid links up to now. So, okay, uh, I have some thoughts on that. When it comes back to me, I'll I'll, I'll speak uh, my ideas on that. But Colin, what are your thoughts on the players who have ca- come in so far, Colin? Yeah, so, um, if we uh, if we start with Lambert again, uh, similar to what Matthew said there, uh, you've got a scouser coming back home. He's a he's a boyhood Liverpool fan. 
Um, again, the interviews, just, you know, that smile. Uh, and he just, the bubbliness uh, of the way he was trying to um, explain how, how happy he is. Uh, he will be a squad player. He's 32. Um, but the fact is, um, I think he's going to be somebody similar to Cara, uh, similar to Stevie, uh, that will give his everything. Um, and I think that's that seems to be an integral part of uh, Brendan's philosophy of the kind of players, you know, um, uh, taking uh, Suarez, uh, you know, into consideration as well. You know, you've got somebody who's always going to give you 100%. So I think they may not be these big marquee name or Lambert may not be a big marquee name, but the fact that he's going to give you 100%, um, you know, um, I think the Brazilian uh, national squad shows us what happens when you don't give 100%. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that's, a, I think, I think it's a, a massive I think it's a massive gain for for the for the for the money we paid for him. Uh, Lalana, uh, I really do love the way he moves with the ball um, and uh, the thoughts of Lalana, Coutinho, um, you know, uh, attacking uh, players uh, in the midfield area, um, linking up with you know Raheem or, or even linking up with with Sturridge. You know, um, I'm very excited. Wasn't happy with the 25 to be honest, and uh, my wife would sometimes look at me and ask me, well. You know, you seem upset as if you're the one that's actually going to be making the calls. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> but, yeah, I felt 25 was maybe five more than I think we should have paid for him. But, um, hey, um, we've got him. Hopefully, uh, he's 26. Hopefully, he improves and uh, uh, hopefully he stays with us and he does well. Uh, but I'm sure uh, he's going to make uh, make a good name for himself. Uh, and uh, Henry, um I want to call him Can just because you know. It's, it's like, <laughs> but we already just we already decided I know, on the podcast. I was, I was on mute. Sorry, Steve, I was on mute then, and I was like, "But I want to call him Can." <laughs> I'd love to call him Can too. <laughs> there, For the record, yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, a, a, a very. I, I'm I'm really looking for, especially after what Germany just did. Um, you know, I'm hoping he's going to bring some of that uh, meticulous. Um, um, Ice in the blood, in the veins, kind of uh, 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 you know quality to to Liverpool, um, especially in more of a defensive kind of uh, midfield area. Uh, you know, today was the day Argentina beat uh, the Netherlands, and uh, that uh, that dodgy uh, uh, coach of theirs, who's ending up uh, as a dirty man coach, uh, was sent home. And I wanted them to lose. I had nothing against them other than the fact that. Van Gaal is going to be Man United's new coach, so they had to go home. Um, and um, I saw, I saw what uh, Germany did against um, against Brazil. Uh, those two goals, three goals, where they kind of cut back, you know, where they could have quite easily taken a shot, but they they had practiced it. I'm sure their coach had told them uh, that look, pass it back. There's going to be some there, somebody there in a better position, you know. That that to me was a game changer, and I'm hoping uh, this fella can actually bring it to to, to Liverpool uh, and use it in his own way. So uh, I'm really happy. You know what? Honestly, in Brendan, we trust. Uh, I've been supporting the guy since he's been here. I'm a huge Kenny fan. I supported Kenny. I was I would never have pointed a finger. I still find it difficult to even over you know a certain thirty five million dollar pound uh, deal. But the fact is, is in Brendan we trust, uh, and I'm happy with what we've done so far, and uh, looking forward to a few more coming in. I'm thinking maybe we'll change the name of the podcast to the Emery uh, Chan- Chanada uh, 
There you go. Enfield in. I like it. There we go. Yeah, that'll work. All right, uh, Joey, uh, uh, on to you. What are your thoughts on the, on the on the transfers so far that have made their way into Anfield uh, to Liverpool? Yeah, I don't want to uh, you know uh, repeat what's been said so far, but I think they're all uh, safe, uh, low risk transfers in their own way. Lambert, obviously, you know, low fee. Um, I don't know what kind of wages he's on, but it's certainly not going to be some sort of Rooney esque astronomical thing. And um, he's going to do a job for the team. I don't. Obviously, he's not in our strongest eleven, but. Injuries happen. Um, I don't know if we're going to be bringing another out-and-out striker to replace Suarez if we're planning on playing Sturridge up front on his own. But um, Lambert brings a lot of qualities. I mean, um, he's seen as a big man, but as uh, Brendan has said, I think his technique is uh, fantastic. He's got a great touch on him. Um, I can't believe he didn't play more in the World Cup. I I don't know what Welbeck offers to England, but that's a a different can of worms. And... um, I'm interested to see who's taking our penalties next season because uh, Stevie and uh, Ricky are pretty consistent uh, in their own right. And um, I think uh, they're probably going to be pals. I mean, uh, Stevie and Kara were uh, notorious roommates, scouse buddies, old boys of the club. And uh, I think Ricky might slot right in there, be uh, Stevie's right-hand man, possible influence in the dressing room. I uh, I just can't really see a, a downside to Lambert. I mean... Even if he's not that great, uh, as long as he gives his all, like you know, someone like John Flanagan, I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to fault him. Um, Chan, uh, I don't know much about him, but I mean, the fact that we had to fight Bayern a bit for them and they kept a, a buyback clause in there and that he uh, actually played in the Champions League last season, I think he's a young player with a lot of potential. And again, it, it's low risk because even if you know he doesn't gel well with us, uh, there's definitely a lot of. Uh, opportunities to sell him back to someone in Germany in a few years if it doesn't turn out well. And uh, Lalana, I'm not going to speak on the fee. I've heard a few different numbers. Let's just say uh, my opinion changes, whether it's 20 or 25. But uh, I, I see him uh, as further forward, as more of uh, like the attacking midfielder with Sterling on either side of him and then someone else like Markovic that we're bringing in or, or whoever. Because um, in, in my mind, I'm, I'm starting to see... Uh, Big Phil uh, Coutinho as as more of a, a number eight than a ten. Uh, I was I was rewatching the the first twenty minutes of the Arsenal game as I was trying to uh, vent some of my Sanchez disappointment, and uh, his pressing was just unreal. He didn't give anybody any space, and uh, I think he's more likely to rotate into that uh, that midfield three of uh, Stevie Hendo, who we don't have to speak about his work, right? Everybody knows, and. Um, I think obviously Chan is going to move in there. I don't know if he's going to be deeper with Stevie. We'll see. Uh, preseason will tell us. But yeah, I think they're all astute buys by the club and uh, in, the, in their own right. Again, low risk. Wow. Uh, a couple interesting points you made there, and maybe I'll take that as my entry point into where I'm going. You're certainly correct about penalties. Lambert hasn't missed a penalty since 2009, and he scored all 34 of his attempts at uh, South, uh, Southampton. Okay, So he, he is uh, clinical, certainly, from, from the line. I like Lambert as a backup striker. That uh, you know, How can you be upset when you get a backup striker for less than £5 million who you know scored over 10 goals in back-to-back seasons in the Premier League? Right, That's wonderful. He can come in at 70 minutes, and 
uh, in games where we're up and Sturge can get some rest. Because Sturge, we know he, he's going to have trouble lasting the entire season, plus Champions League, plus Cups as well. So you need, you need a body to rotate in there. I also think when we have multiple games in the week, let's say we're playing lower table uh, teams on the weekend in a Champions League uh, game in the midweek, I'd, I would expect Sturge to start the Champions League and, and uh, Lambert to, to start the, on, on the weekend. I, I see some rotation going on there. I'm not sure about a third striker, and the reason why, and maybe this will help lead into the next subject as we go, and I can also use it to talk about my concerns with Lallana. I don't. I think the days of two strikers are done. I don't think Rodgers ever wanted to play a two-striker system. I think Rodgers is a pretty smart guy tactically, and he's learned over the two seasons at Liverpool to adapt to whatever roster he has. And he's done from the very beginning. You know, he moved uh, Suarez into the middle and 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 let him be an out-and-out number nine type striker when everybody at the time thought that that was crazy. You know, uh, he he came forward and said, "No, I, I think that Suarez can be one of the best strikers in the world." And you know, Suarez has obviously replayed that with you know fifty plus goals in that that time. I think Rodgers would prefer to play a 4-3-3 with a simple uh, straight number nine in the middle, and that would be Sturridge. And Sturridge is the perfect person for that. When Suarez hasn't been able to play, we've seen the link up between Coutinho and Sturridge. It's really some, you know, some really beautiful stuff that happens there. Uh, and I think that you'll see, you know, uh, hopefully Liverpool will try and sign some wide players to, you know, to spread out that, that top three, because I don't think uh, Raheem Sterling is a good wide player. I don't think Coutinho f- plays his best football when, he, when he's out wide as well. I think perhaps you might see Lalana play out wide. I think you might see them try to move him into that spot because I'm not sure where else Lalana fits in that if you're playing a 4-3-3, you got your four at the back and then you have sort of an inverted triangle of, of, of your three midfielders where Gerard is obviously the one uh, who's in front of the back four and the other two have to basically run around and eat a ton of space. I know we're thinking uh, you know, that Chan will probably fall in there, but I actually think that, that those two guys in the inverted triangle are Henderson and Allen and I think they work really nicely together in, in that space where they you know they, they press really well they control the ball nicely uh, they can they can move and spread it out uh, and what that means then is who's who's going to play up top in that front three well if Sturridge is in the middle you need you really need two guys wide in that type of system and you know and now you have Lalana competing with uh, Sterling and competing you know um, with whoever whoever else may, may may want that space whether it be Coutinho maybe it's Barini or if Markovic is coming in, you're going to think that he's probably going to want to play in there as well, too. Uh, I have a little bit of concerns, and Gags and I were joking about this today on Twitter, about, you know, uh, why, it's almost like Brendan Rodgers wants to sign only midfielders, right? And put together a lineup of basically 10 midfielders and the goalie. And if he could, and if he could have found a way to, to, get a, to get a keeper who also wants to double as a midfielder, that he'd be interested in that as well, too. And the, uh, I think you might see Lalana play out wide. I also think, and it hasn't been talked about yet, is that third striker that we're talking talking about. Uh, I think when Sturridge is either injured or resting and when Lambert's not available, I would not be shocked to see Lalana play as a false nine. Uh, so something like, like the role that Tolti played, uh, you know, uh, or um, you know, English fans might know more of like Fabregas playing in that role. And the idea is you get a guy who can sit in the space in the middle where the number nine traditionally stays, but who can move the ball really well, who can hold it up, and who, can, who has lots of really good foot control and passing ability and can occupy space and move the ball nicely in and out of space to sort of 
of quicker players, like for example, if you were to play uh, Sterling out wide in a, with, with a false nine, that might work. So th- I think that may be where we see Lalana. Uh, otherwise, I'm not really sure why you pay so much money for Lalana, given that you're going to try and buy Markovic, and you got. I think Raheem Sterling has shown at the World Cup that really he he's at least in my opinion he's the best up and coming sort of number ten. I think that there is uh, right now in in in, in European football. Those are my thoughts on Lalana. Those are my fa- thoughts on uh, Lambert. And, and with uh, Chan, I just, I just really, I, I haven't seen enough. I don't know. To my friends who watch, uh, you know, like the Bundesliga and who watch German soccer and are really intense about it, they seem to think he's quite a player. Joey, you mentioned the idea of buying an asset young, and you can always just flip him if you needed to down the road. I get a little nervous about this, though, with you know FSG and the sort of the money ball idea, where they're instead of buying you know some really solid 25, 26 year old players, you know who are in the 25, 30 million range, that we're buying a lot of these 20 year old players in the 10 million dollar range because we know that they're assets who can later on uh, be sold out for more money if need be. I think that's also maybe what the team's doing with Origi, if that's how we'll pronounce his name. I don't know. Uh, the, the, the striker from Belgium uh, who is currently in negotiating and was seen at Anfield today with the potential of signing with Liverpool and going back to Lille on loan. So maybe we'll go there and you guys can uh, – we'll go to Matt and then to Colin and then to Joey. Your thoughts on some of the rumored players to be uh, coming t- uh, t- to, to Anfield, uh, Origi, Markovic, uh, you know, and then there was the Sanchez rumor that fell apart. And then any others that you're that you're hearing being linked with the club. So uh, Matt, to you. Um, I'll start with Origi. Um, I think he's a really exciting player. He, I think he's only 19 years old right now, and he managed to push Lukaku out of that Belgian side. So that doesn't necessarily mean he's a diamond in the rough, but there's certainly potential there. Um, he showed some serious pace and some serious power. Especially, I think it was the game against Russia in the World Cup. Um, That was enough for me to be excited about him. Uh, 10 million pounds, was it 10 million pounds, I think? Or thereabouts. um, Might be a little bit steep for someone who's really played the most most of his soccer in the French League. But nevertheless, I I still see potential there and... um, I, I, enough for me to. I'm excited about the signing, but at the same time, if he's going to be loaned back right away, it's difficult to really, to really get excited about it the same way you would uh, another signing that was coming directly into the team. As for Markovic, um, I I've never seen him play firsthand, but everything I've read about him uh, makes me really excited to see what he can do. Um, blistering pace, blistering skill. Um, very technical and uh, uh, an ability to to apply a, a tactical philosophy the way I think Brendan Rodgers will want to play. Um, the the players that we're signed with, or the players, sorry, that we're linked with right now, I think really indicate that Brendan Rodgers is looking at the four three three kind of as you alluded to, Steve um, Markovic, a winger. Lalana play it wide. I I don't know what the what the situation with Shakiri is right now. If he's still an option or if he's if he's looking elsewhere now. But um, whatever the case, I think these players they're they're all decent players. I would have really loved to have Alexis Sanchez because I think he is one tier above all of the others. 
Um, unfortunately, he's going to Arsenal, so he'll have to suffer some brutal defeats to us next season. But, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. All right, uh, Colin, what are your thoughts on the the rumored players on their way in to uh, to Anfield? Yeah, Origi um, again. I, I I thought I heard around six million pounds um, uh, for the young fellow who's nineteen. Um, again, um, I. I, I Similar sentiments to Matt, the fact that we've not been a we've not been one of those clubs which have been buying decent players with potential uh, players with lots of potential and then loaning them back out to their to the clubs we bought them from. So it, it feels a little strange. Um, I just hope he doesn't. It, it, this wasn't just a uh, a one hit wonder because he just seemed to have come out of nowhere. Um, and fair enough, Lukaku was benched, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly excited there. Markovic is definitely uh, where excitement is. I'd like to uh, talk about Torre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if the rumours are true about this, uh, him being upset with Man City, and the fact that we've got uh, the other Torre here at Liverpool, um, yeah, he's 31 years old, but uh, that man is very creative and uh, he's a game changer. So if there are, if some of these rumours that are coming out, and uh, I think it was in the Liverpool Echo as well yesterday um, uh, about that uh, story, then um, I'd like us to pay a few pennies uh, rather than Chelsea getting him or rather than him going over to France. Um, uh, Shakiri still seems to be uh, talked about, 17 million. The, the hat-trick he, he, he was able to put in here at the World Cup uh, was very impressive. So... Um, I, I definitely, um, I don't want to admit the disappointment about Sanchez. Um, I'm trying to make sure my son doesn't get very upset. So I'm like, hey, it's no big deal. It's, no big deal. <laughs> it's his loss. It's his loss. But I am ups, and I, and I, I, and I do want us to try and find a, 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 a player of a similar caliber to Suarez. But let's not forget when we pulled in Suarez back in uh, January 2011, uh, from Ajax, Suarez was meant to be a good player. He wasn't meant to be an absolute amazing player. Uh, and I think Brendan has that potential to, 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 to bring that out of his players. His man, management uh, has to be of some of the best uh, uh, of its kind. Uh, and I think uh, finding the rough uh, uh, in a diamond in the rough um, it seems to be an approach with FSG uh, I'm hoping some of these, these Mark Onovich, uh, maybe even Sturridge stepping up and, and having 35-plus goals, 40-goal season uh, changes it. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm sitting back and, 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 and looking. Honestly, Yaya Torre yesterday was, was big news for me. To, if, that, if there's any truth to that, any potential for that, I'd be really excited to see him as in a Liverpool jersey next season. Well, listen, the idea of Yaya Turi coming to Liverpool gets me giddy just thinking about it. But just to, just to highlight before we throw it over to Joey, that, that is another midfield player. So. As much as I love Joe Allen, I'm sorry. I think Yaya would get in there over him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's probably, yeah I, most you, you take that back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you think, Joey? What do you think about the the this, this, the, the rumored uh, tra- transfers, potential transfers for for Liverpool? Yeah, well, I think as you guys have said, I think uh, with a fully fit squad and uh, obviously form permitting, I think four three three will be our, our go to strongest formation. But 
Um, our team's versatile, and uh, again, I think we're going to switch depending on perceived difficulty of the game or injuries, whatever it may be. I think we may rotate to that that midfield diamond, and you know, play Sterling or Lalana behind the striker. But uh, in terms of players we've been linked to, um, again, as you said, I, I don't think we're going to be going out for another out-and-out striker. I think we're more after people who can play across the front three, which uh, luckily for Barini, he has going for him. And, um, I mean, I, I've heard names like uh, Boney and Huntelar thrown about, but um, I, I, I just don't think it's what we need. I mean, we've already got the the man, the legend, that is Iago Aspas waiting at Melwood for whenever we need him. <laughs> oh, spare me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've, I've seen uh, Griezmann and Shakiri links thrown about, and, um, again, I think those are more uh, established wide players like Sanchez, you know, compared to the likes of Markovic, who, um, again, is similar with... Uh, you guys and Chan, I, I don't know that much about him. Uh, there's been a lot of great reviews. Um, one thing that did uh, get my attention was uh, Chelsea midfielder Nemanja Matic uh, said that phenomenal player, but uh, he needs to have a better focus in training. And, um, you know, that would normally set off alarm bells for me. A uh, player with a bad attitude, it's not what you want. We don't need another Balotelli here. But uh, speaking of Balotelli, we've been linked to him too, and I wouldn't mind that, but uh, that's, uh, that's uh, another story. I think, um, you know, I remember watching Being Liverpool uh, when we first got Brendan and, you know, there, there was perceived uh, behavior issues with Sterling, even on Being Liverpool. And obviously Brendan's ironed that out and he seems to have, you know, most of the players uh, have their heads screwed on right and um, they, they all, they're all driven. So I'm not really worried on that front. Um, what I am worried with is that, as you said, we seem to be signing a lot of midfielders and the defenders we're being linked with are either overpriced, Lovren, $20 million for him is is ridiculous. I think Southampton are just a bit upset with us. And uh, I, Tony Barrett today confirmed that we've made an inquiry about Swansea's Ben Davies, and I've heard a few Ryan Bertrand rumors in the days before that. Both young, well, Bertrand not so much, British left-backs, but to, to be honest, especially in our defense, because I think most people will agree that it was our defense's, you know, fault that we didn't go all the way last season. Our, our attack was second to none. And I just think we need to get, you know, established players in there. I, I was even unsure about Moreno, who's, who's it's gone a bit quiet on that front now. But, you know, if people are linking Mats Hummels to, to United, they don't even have Champions League football. And if, if we got someone like that to partner Sacco, you know, that's our, that's our central defensive pairing for the next decade. Both top-class uh, defenders and... Um, I just think that's the kind of player we need to be going for, not Ryan Bertrand. I'm, I'm sorry, like I, I, would, I don't watch much of him. I don't watch much Aston Villa or Chelsea, but I, I think if he was going to make it, he would have by now. Having said that, as uh, Colin said, Brendan does know how to bring the best out of a lot of players. And at the end of the day, I'm going to support whoever the club buys. Well, uh, Hummels uh, today. If you if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'll know that uh, I, I was talking about that today on on Twitter with lots of responses. Gags retweeted it, and lots of people were weighing in on the idea of, of uh, going out and buying Hummels. Uh, you know, Dortmund 
doesn't often like to sell their best players, but still tends to. And uh, with the right with the right amount of money, certainly you, you could uh, make an offer in maybe between the thirty and. 40, uh, I was talking to a Dortmund fan today who was saying it would probably take forty million uh, pounds to to get him out of Dortmund. And mm-hmm. uh, certainly, if again he's twenty five, right? And and as you mentioned, Sacco's twenty four. You put the two of those guys together, uh, left uh, left center back and right center back for the next uh, decade. Just it would be it would just be beautiful to watch. Uh, Markovic, I'm I'm pretty excited about. I think he's a pretty good player, and I think he, the, the, there's a role for him. But again, you know, who, who's going to separate from that? From Sterling, Coutinho, Markovic, Lalana, you know, even uh, Joe Allen into that into that pool. There's a pool there of a lot of guys fighting for a little, just a little bit of playing time. And I know we need depth because of Champions League. And I and I and I think Brendan's going to play a lot of the false nine and maybe even the false ten, which which is an even crazier concept. But it's it's you know it's where basically you stick a, a number a number ten right next to the the number nine who occupies the same way as the false nine to, to, to really pull the center backs in and to operate in space and hold the ball up and spread it out to, to fast players on the wing. But in both cases, to have a false nine or a false ten, you need wingers. Uh, you need wide men. And this team is really lacking wide men. Origi, I, you know, I can take him. I can leave him. Yeah, you know, he looked great in the World Cup, but but not really. Like he played one game where he scored one goal, and that was against Russia. Uh, he didn't score in any of the other games in the World Cup. And, uh, you know, I thought Belgium was really overrated, if you want my opinion, going into the tournament. And I thought they looked overrated for the entire tournament. The only game where they looked to have any real decency was in the last 20 minutes of the game against USA, who was who a pretty darn good team. And in those last 20 minutes when they were taking it to USA, it wasn't Origi that was doing that, right? It was Lukaku. It was the Lukaku substitute at 90 minutes that really blew that game uh, open for Belgium. And the rest of Belgium I found to be really unimpressive. Now, you know, whatever, you buy them at a, at a small amount because Real Madrid's interested and in other teams like him you send him back on loan he matures maybe he blossoms into that player great you've got him maybe he doesn't you sell him on i think that's sort of the fsg plan i'm not in love with him love the idea of hummels love the idea of you know if we're selling suarez you know and we're going to jump 25 30 35 40 million back on another player well yeah i would be looking at hummels i would be looking at tiago silva i would be trying to buy you know a, a first class center back. Uh, I wouldn't be looking for, 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 for bargain deals, you know, sale items at this point. Uh, there was some rumors of Falcao possibly being made available, uh, but, you know, today they've come out from Monaco and they've said there's, that, that's just not happening. Monaco has said Falcao is not going anywhere. James Rodriguez is not going anywhere. So say goodbye to that. And I think the idea of trying to replace Suarez with another player of that quality is kind of foolish because, you know, there's really only like two or three guys that you can argue are as good good as Suarez, right? We, you know, that, that, and then there's just another tier down. And so we're buying at best from the next tier down. You'd mentioned Balotelli. Sure, he's a game breaker. But, you know, I'm not sure he fits into this system. But at Milan, Stefan Alcharé is another uh, Italian, uh, you know, forward. He didn't play in the World Cup because he was coming back from a bad injury. See, again, another young player. Uh, he's only 21, and he's out of favor with Milan. Uh, you know, and I think that you could buy him. He's a wide player extraordinarily talented and I think could really help this team. Uh, another player to keep that ha- we haven't been linked to, but again, if we're, if we're talking about buying uh, young players with lots of talent who fit into this system, he's a midfielder, could certainly play the false nine or the false 10, and that would be Lucas Moura. Uh, you know, teams like PSG, they got a lot of players and they're spending a lot of money and, and they're going to have to sell some players in order for financial fair play to work. So uh, I would be digging around in, in those spots with the Suarez money. 
what about Suarez, right? I think we have to say a few words about him before we finish up today, right? We have to have a few words on, on, on Suarez. If he goes, you know, what, 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 are, what, what does the post-Suarez uh, Liverpool look like next season? Uh, Matt? Well, first of all, I don't know how I feel about Suarez. I love watching him play. I don't think there's another player that can bring a stadium out of their seat right now like he can right now anyways um those 40 yard volleys the nutmegs up and down the field the flicks the volleys everything he's irreplaceable there's not a player you can buy that you can slot into into the lineup that will replace him um that that's available obviously if you bought Messi, you could replace him but uh, (laughs) it's not happening so we, we have to look at the next best thing, and that is kind of spreading the wealth and creating a squad that can, can keep what we were good at and improve what we weren't. And as you said, Hummel's perfect example of that, subtracting from the front, adding to the back. Um, we have to be careful not to get into a Spurs situation. I know there's so many differences between the two situations. We have a good situation. Spurs did not um, with the managers and all the rest of it. But it would be great to not have to take a step back before taking another step forward. So um, Liverpool without Suarez, I think we carry on. I think Sturridge is perfectly capable of banging in 25 goals, maybe even 30 if he can stay healthy. Um, He has all the skill in the world, and he has a midfield behind him that I think can provide enough. And hopefully with the right signings, distributing that money in the right places, some of the people we've talked about, um, we can really make it happen and take the next step, hopefully deep into the Champions League and challenge for the title right to the end in the Premier League. Uh, That sounds exciting. I like like the way you're talking. What, uh, What about you, Colin? Yeah, I think uh, post uh, Liverpool without Suarez looks like um, Queen without Freddie Mercury when he passed away. So uh, <laughs> uh, those about the similarities I'll throw out. Um, you know what? Uh, legends have come um, and gone. And, you know, St. John, uh, Kenny Dalglish, when his time came and went, um, Ian Rush. And it's all about the club, like I started off with. Uh, you know, it's not about any individual player. And I'll even throw in, uh, you know, our our uh, our, uh, our top man Stevie, because uh, his time will eventually come where he'll have to move on. He may retire. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the picture today. Just uh, as a footnote to this of, mm-hmm. uh, of Stevie's youngest wearing a Real Madrid jersey, which, oh, I'm, yeah. sure, which I'm sure Zabi <laughs> Zabi had sent over Zabi Lonzo. But uh, I, I think the third comment below was, "Please don't go to Real Madrid." <laughs> like, I like. Yeah. I think it was he was referring to Ronaldo as Ronnie in the in the caption of that, that's too, right. wasn't he? Yeah, that was yeah. great. That's Ronnie, right. his buddy Ronnie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think um, I, I, he's going to be irreplaceable. Um, but are we going to be able to? Uh, I don't want a player to be at Liverpool who doesn't want to be at Liverpool. And the thing that's really upset me personally over the past few weeks is he seems to go home. He seems to get himself surrounded by his friends and family. And they're all telling him, listen, what are you doing up, 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 up in the northern parts of England? 
it's bloody cold, it rains there, you should be, you know, where the, where the culture is, you should be in Spain, because that's where it's happening, and we all know it's not, it's happening in the EPL. And so he goes, and his mind gets twisted that quickly, that all loyalty goes out of the window, and to be honest, my loyalty goes out of the window as quick as his does as well. So, yes, I will be upset in the sense that we know we had somebody that was absolutely irreplaceable, but we'll move on with Liverpool uh, and uh, we'll always find a way. Here, here. Uh, Joey, what are your thoughts? Post uh, Suarez Liverpool. Yeah, I don't think anyone can really question that as a team, we're on the up. We're, we're not going to be the same team without Suarez. I don't know if we're going to be better or worse or one than the other. I don't know. But like, we're, we're certainly not going to finish seventh. We have the right man in charge. We have a, a much better squad or we're at least building one than we've had in a long time, and um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to be overly optimistic. I don't know if we're going to be able to replicate our, our second place finish, but I think we're, we're we're pretty safely in the Champions League. You know, for now, I think we've cemented our place back in the top four, or at least I think we have. I don't care if nobody else thinks that because, well, I mean, it's it's better if people underrate us for me. But in terms of the Suarez transfer. It just feels gross to me. I I just don't like negotiating with Barca. They just they always lowball. They have this this team of Catalonian newspapers that just you know spread whatever message the club wants, false transfer fees or whatever. And just just the pull that Barcelona has on Spanish speaking players is it's frankly unfair to be honest. Uh, the the same thing happened with Mascherano. To be fair, he stayed around an extra season for us and uh, left swiftly after Woy was uh, appointed. But, um, you know, at the, in the end, he refused to play for us to force his move through to Barca. And um, I don't know. It's just it's so different, uh, the Suarez saga this summer, than it was last summer. I mean, we're dealing with Barca, not Arsenal, uh, 40 million and one pounds. That was, that was just great. I mean, there just seems to be it, – it's just real this time, and that's why it's so uh, sad. I mean, he's really going. And uh, it's almost ridiculous to say that because, I mean, last summer it felt like he was on the Uruguayan radio like every other day just lamenting English media or something. And um, to be honest, I'm, I'm just surprised at how quiet it's been on the club's front, the manager's front. Uh, he, he probably will ease my mind, uh, Brendan, once he says something about it. He always uh, talks sense. And uh, Suarez, I mean, he hasn't said anything about it. And um that for me is why I most think it's going to happen because you know Barca likes to do their stuff as under the radar as they can but I think anyone can agree that it's just a completely ridiculous situation I mean Barca aren't even supposed to be making transfers right now the only footballing activity Luis is permitted to do is transfer to Barcelona I I just feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here and um, you know on the other hand, we're, we're cashing in on him when arguably he's not going to be worth any more. He might have been worth a, a few more bob if he didn't bite anyone. Madrid might have been in for him. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like we should be milking Barcelona as much as we can. If, if they don't want to pay his full release clause, then we should be using them to our advantage. Kind of, you know, Maybe we can bring back Mascherano or Montoya as part of the deal. Clearly Sanchez wasn't going to fly. But again, yeah, Suarez leaving opens a lot of doors for LFC, but at the end of the day, he won games on his own sometimes, just like Stevie used to do for us and you know, still does sometimes. And it's going to be hard to replicate that, and I hope we don't do a Spurs. 
Well, you know, certainly life without Suarez will be different, but the, you know, the club the club will move on. I'm I'm my concern for the for Liverpool next year isn't as much as Suarez leaving as it is that the teams around Liverpool continue to stack themselves with solid additions in the transfer market. City is obviously City, and they continue to spend and add. Uh, we, we see the same thing uh, with, with Chelsea. Actually, both City and Chelsea got better thanks to players that Arsenal decided to just w- let walk away in both Sanya and Fabregas. But, you know, Arsenal is now uh, apparently doubling down, uh, bringing in uh, Sanchez, and um, it was Debussy, the, the French striker, right? So teams around us are getting better. Uh, I'd like to see Liverpool. It's not about winning the press conference with the flashy signing, because certainly I trust Rodgers. Uh, he's, been able, he's shown to be able to get the most out of his team. But, you know, it, it just I, I think it just demonstrates how close Liverpool were last year. And in some ways makes it sting just a little bit more if Suarez leaves this summer to know that we were that close to we as if we're, as if we're part of the club. But that's part of being a supporter of Liverpool, right? Is that we were that close and it was right there and then it just kind of got away. Uh, I, I have a little bit, some, some concern, but again, there's, there's also lots of optimism, right? We're talking about the quality of players that we have. We didn't even mention some of the players coming back. We, we, we t- touched briefly on Barini, but we didn't talk about Suso. Right, we didn't talk about wisdom. Uh, we didn't talk about up and comers like you know Ibe or uh, you know whether or not uh, Kelly's going to be able to return to his form. Uh, well, you know we got uh, lots of good young players, whether it's Smith or Rossiter, uh, Sinclair, you know Teixeira. We got so there's a lot of po- you know possibility for internal growth. Maybe Asaidi comes back and finds some some space. Enrique's back from injury that makes some people happy, other people very scared. <laughs> uh, you know, but there's there's so there, there, there's a lot of I think there actually is a lot of depth at Liverpool, uh, but whether or not they have the firepower to compete with, you know, really these these monster teams like City and uh, and Chelsea, like City City gets to go to the bench at the 75th minute and bring on Jeco, right? That's just a luxury that uh, that Liverpool doesn't have, and I think losing Suarez, there's no way to get around the fact that it hurts this team. Uh, I trust Rodgers. I'm hopeful for the best, but I'd like to see that if if Suarez does go and if he goes for 75 million or whatever it is, uh, I'd like to see that money spent on at least one legitimate starter because uh, none of the transfers to date so far even Lalana are guys that are guaranteed to start in the starting 11 next summer or sorry next uh, in, at the end of the summer for next season and i think that you know you can't you can't finish second and try to push on to compete in Champions League and win the league if you don't have a single signing in the transfer window that's going to start for for your team next season so that those are my concerns uh, did you guys want to speak anything to any of those up and coming players or uh, returning bodies because we talked we we said we would talk about them and then we never did so maybe I'll give you a chance to shout on that before we're done Matt um yeah about the up-and-comers um Suso Wisdom for instance uh I'm not sure how they're gonna fit in Suso I mean he's just another kind of attacking midfielder that we have I can't really see him usurping Coutinho or Lalana or even Sterling in the middle the attacking role of the midfield um he he did had a had a decent season in Spain for one of the lower teams in the in La Liga, but um, I don't know. There's been lots of talk of him out the door. I can't really see him having an impact with us. Maybe League Cup, FA Cup, but beyond that, I can't see him with any league starts, even coming off the bench in the league. Um, wisdom, I really do, I have no idea 
um, what what we're going to see from Wisdom if we're going to see him this year. Um, I he, I think he wants to be this be a center back for for the for Liverpool, but he's always been pushed out to a fullback position with us. Um, maybe if Agger's out the door, we could go with Sacco, Skirtle, Wisdom in the middle. He could, I guess he could still cover out on fullbacks as well. I think full the fullback position is one of our weakest spots right now. I have no confidence in Glenn Johnson. Um, I really hope all the best for Flanagan. I really want him to, to come through, but I'm not sure he's a champion Champions League level fullback either. Um, and just one other point I'd like to pick up on what you were saying there, Steve, about the top four. Um, not, I don't think not winning the league will be a failure for Liverpool this season, but not qualifying for the Champions League will be a failure for Liverpool. Um, you, you said your main concern was the strengthening of the teams around them. When I look at that, I agree with you. Although those, the other top three have strengthened, um, the other two that were really challenging were Spurs and Everton. Um, Spurs, I'm not. I'm not sure I've seen them do any business yet this summer. I haven't been following that closely, to be honest. I just assume everything we're interested in, they're interested in. So, <laughs> yep. So, um, so I guess they're interested in everything we've talked about so far. Maybe they're listening to this. Who knows? But uh, um, as for Everton. They, a lot of their top players last year were on loan, and they're gone. Luka, take Lukaku and Delefeu out of that squad, or however you pronounce his name. Um, they're lacking a lot up front. I think they signed... Who did they sign? Someone from Man City. Was it Glenn Berry they signed? Gareth Berry. They Barry, just Gareth Barry, permanent yeah. Yeah. loan yeah, last Gareth season. Barry. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I, He's a decent player, but, I mean, taking away their... That's, I mean taking away their top striker Lukaku out of their team. I'm not sure where they end up last year without, without that or without him in their lineup. Um, so really I see it would have to be one of those two squads uh, overtaking us in the standings. And I just can't see Spurs doing it. So from that standpoint, um, I'm optimistic about next season. Um, yeah, well, I, I hope you're right. I'm not as optimistic about that because I think Spurs last season were a dumpster fire, uh, mostly because of <laughs> AVB and the amount of the talent level that's on that team, the amount of quality and players that they have. You know, uh, Pacchino has shown yeah, South right. at Southampton that with nothing he can make he can make a lot of things happen, and he's just basically taken. You know, Spurs' best signing of the whole season was they went out and got a good manager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> so that, yeah, potentially that could make them potentially that could make them very dangerous uh, next year. Uh, Colin, you want a chance to speak to the up-and-comers or the returnees or the, the, the internal growth p- potential for Liverpool for next season? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think uh, Tottenham's new coach is going to be a threat. Um, but I think that's more um, for fourth or fifth position. Uh, I think Van Gaal going to Manchester and um, and, and buying uh, the players that he's already started to buy and uh, on all the changes, we all know they need at least, you know, five to seven new players. So uh, I've written them off for this season. There's no chance that that geezer's going to get in there and build a solid team and, and they're going to be top two or top three. You know, if there is, there's going to be trouble now. But I, I reckon they'll need at least a season to get their act together. The season after, you know, the Dirty Manx may be back. 
Um, but let's not forget this season as well, if you put it into context. Liverpool uh, bought Young, bought, uh, we, you know, let's face it, some of the signings from the previous year didn't really step up for us. Uh, I did have a master plan for uh, for Aspas. Um, I, I felt like emailing Brendan and telling him to, to say, Brendan, let's call the season pre-season for the whole fucking season. Because I think he will fire goals into the back of the net. Because yeah. he, did, he did last pre-season anyway. It was great. So, he was, wasn't he? I thought I he was going to be a much better player than he was. Yeah, when we played yeah. those friendlies in Thailand and stuff, I was like, wow, this guy's got some great technique. We'll so see, I, we'll I, see I, never have I been so wrong. I know. So, so even so, if we look at some of the disappointments from some from some of the signings we did make, I think one of the things that we have going for us is how well the team gels together and plays together. I think they will get over Suarez in a hurry uh, for the simple fact I think Sturridge uh, will want more, and I think Sterling saw how well he did uh, on the on the on the world stage um but you know it'll be sad to see i'm hearing skirtle i'm hearing lucas i'm hearing rayner obviously barini as well agar johnson aspas yesel suso it seems like we're, we're going to have a, a possibly six to eight uh, you know so-called squad players going out uh, I'd, I'd really hate to see agar and skirtle go out of all of those that i've just mentioned i think uh, skirtle uh, it, it, you know, he has his moments where you know, you know, we, we all we all cringe, um, and I and I hope that Aga stays as well. But if hey, if we can get some good coin for for Aga though, if if Barca want to give us fifteen plus uh, for for Aga, then hey, uh, let's 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 get him out there. But um, yeah, uh, I I really think that's it for me. Yeah, uh, there's some rumors of Ragger going to Napoli as well. I was talking to a Napoli supporter uh, tonight at my at my uh, my wife's soccer uh, match, and he, him and I were on the sideline talking. He says Napoli seems apparently is, is fairly interested in, in getting their hands on Agger. My concern with selling guys like Agger and Skirtle is you're going to sell them for much less than you can replace them with for. So uh, even though they we may be tired of watching those constant errors, or Brendan may have lost support in them, or whatever else it may be, uh, to buy a player with their experience and their quality to play center back right now, you just can't do it for 12 to 15 million pounds really anywhere uh joey what are, what are, what are your thoughts on the uh, up-and-comers on the squad or the returnees or the internal growth i don't have much more to say on up-and-comers um I, I, th- I think there's a few who are in the awkward stage where i'm starting to think they're not really going to make it for us but uh, they're going to be good enough one day to warrant a larger price tag than we'd be able to sell them for now someone like Martin Kelly, Connor Cody, uh, something like that. I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we have uh, better talent that deserves to be given a, a chance over players like that. And in terms of, you know, uh, more senior returnees like Reyna, to be honest, I made my peace with him leaving last summer. And, um, I mean, uh, not much has changed. We, we're not Man City. We can't afford to keep a player on his wages around just to rotate. Uh, Mignolet has his faults, but I think most people would agree that we made the right decision in uh, swapping to Mignolet, saving some money, and uh, loaning Reyna out. And um, what I took away from Reyna last summer is that you can't keep players around on sympathy. And as much as some of these players are are legends from uh, the Rafa era or whatever, you know, if the club judges it to be better for the, the team and the club that they be sold, the likes of Lucas, Agar, Glenn Johnson, whoever it may be, then it has to be done. And similar to the idea with Suarez living, uh, leaving, um, 
Liverpool FC will go on. Uh, we will continue. Even even when Gerard leaves, as uh, I think it was Colin was saying earlier, we will move on. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I think we need to make some wage room because we do have all this new TV money coming in and stuff like that. But with signings we want to make, I, I just don't know. If, if Obviously, Mamadou Sako is not comfortable at right center back and neither is uh, Daniel Agger. So you just you just can't keep to uh, left center backs on that kind of wages around to to rotate. You know, it, it we're just not that kind of club. We're not City. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because our pod will go up, and of course, in the next two weeks with the World Cup ending, just in just a few days, really just three days away till we get to the final, uh, then we'll we'll hear a lot more. And of course, with the team getting ready to travel to North America, Liverpool will be over here uh, playing in uh, Chicago and in uh, Boston and in New York, uh, etc. You know, obviously by then rosters will be settling in. Hopefully, whatever business they have to do, they'll take care of before the tour, so I can see the players live uh, when I go to New York City to watch them play against Man City, but. But also, hopefully, so that way we're not getting into a situation where it's late August and it's, you know, are we going to do something and uh, or, or are we not? And then there's that, that sort of panic. Transfer windows haven't been our best uh, bit of business so far. Liverpool's done a lot of good things. Uh, FSG's done a lot of good things uh, since appointing Brendan Rodgers, even though at the time that was a little sketchy when we said goodbye to Kenny, which, of course, as Colin has already pointed out, for some of us older fans is just, you know, mind-boggling and uh, unsettling but you know they've done a lot of good things but transfer windows have been a little bit sketchy so I have some concerns uh, you know we talk about Agar and Skirtle and Glenn Johnson it's great if they all go and we get them all off the wage bill but again last year we scored 100 goals that was not our problem right it's conceding goals that was really the painful part and while they're not maybe the superstar caliber players that they once were or we've, we've thought them to be in the past I just I, I don't think you can sell from the defense uh, unless you're going to be replacing it and replacing and every signing right now just continues to point to the midfield. Having said that, I think we all support our team and whatever whatever signings they make, we get on board, right? We get on board and we support. That's what we do as Liverpool fans, not just uh, in Liverpool, but around the world, in Malaysia, in Australia, South Africa, you know, and all the other great uh, uh, international uh, Anfield Index podcasts that you're hearing. Thanks to Gags and all the crew at the Anfield Index for opening up the floor to international supporters everywhere to share their stories. Supporters like Matt and Colin, Joey and myself, Steve here in Canada. Uh, we love supporting Liverpool each and every uh, week and uh, hopefully we'll get the chance to talk to you hopefully we'll get the chance where uh, we get to go again and uh, talk Liverpool uh, football with you thanks for listening and uh, enjoy enjoy